الرحمٰن الرحیم اما بعد وی ہیو ڈسکسڈ فرام دس کتاب دا وی ٹو اے ہیپی میریڈ لائف آف عارف باللہ حضرت مولانا شاہ حکیم و دختر صاحب رحمۃ اللہ علیہ اینڈ دا سیکنڈ آیت دیٹ از ریسائٹیڈ ان دا خطبہ دیٹ از دیٹ واز ڈسکسڈ further in the same discussion Hazrat speaks about the aspect of anger because these problems stem very often from uncontrolled anger that small things become major things very trivial things become very serious matters so this is a very serious mat- problem that we need to bring under control anger is a very very disastrous thing if it's not controlled so therefore this discusses the aspect of anger now that if you are a hot tempered person get a taweez for yourself recite bismillahir rahmanir rahim seven times and blow on the food so that when the other family members also eat this food they too will remain safe from anger this is an amal which has its benefit which has been understood from experience so reciting bismillahir rahmanir rahim seven times and this can be made a regular practice that to recite this and blow on the food the water etc which everybody would consume so so that when all will eat this food they too will remain safe from anger recite the same and blow on the water used for cooking inshallah the whole household will attain a merciful spirit. In this is Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim are the two attributes of Allah Ta'ala Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim. So when a person is going to be repeating these attributes of Allah Ta'ala so that will inshallah have an effect on him. In fact a person who has a very very short temper and gets uh, provoked very easily then this is very beneficial to regularly recite like a person reciting some tasbih etc every now and again five times 10 times very consciously the extent of the benefit would depend on how consciously it's done one is is done in a absent minded manner the person is reciting it but his heart and mind is somewhere else is not even conscious of what he is reciting then to allah's name is very great they will still be benefits but the full benefit will come to the extent of a person's heart and mind being present as well a person who has this realization that he needs a taweez for his anger is at least a human because he realizes it a few months ago a person wrote a letter from jiddah stating that we are always quarreling and fighting that is my wife children and i everyone is suffering from anger i replied to him to recite bismillahir rahmanir rahim seven times and blow onto the food together with this everyone should also recite ya subhu ya quddusu ya ghafuru ya wadudu whenever one remembers but as much as one can manage for those who suffer from intense anger this was also a hakim so this is a remedy that has is giving from the physical end of things that for those who suffer from intense anger they should mix glucose a lemon and three spoons of husk in a glass of cold water and drink it daily the heat and intensity experienced in the state of anger will subside 
Allah sometimes while these programs are taking place at home, people are, in the masjid, people are listening at home, maybe someone might go, they'll get received with a glass of glucose water, so that you should know that maybe they were listening in. So in any case, this health is giving a Hakimi ilaj, Hakimi remedy, the person who has this problem of intense anger, and sometimes this is a result of the person's physical, whatever issues are. So the ilaj and the remedy for that, one of the remedies is being explained here, to mix glucose, a lemon and three spoons of husk in a glass of cold water and drink it daily. The heat and intensity experienced in the state of anger will inshallah subside. After a month, the same person wrote that the entire house has become the embodiment of peace and tranquility. Anger is a very dangerous thing. Through it, many homes have been broken. A man came knocking at my door at 12 in the night, saying, I divorced my wife in anger. Now that the anger has cooled, I cannot sleep feeling sorry for my little children and missing, and I'm missing my wife terribly. I told him, because you have shot all three arrows of divorce at once, you must now face the consequences. The man said, I did this in anger. To which I replied, whether you utter these words in anger or happiness, it takes effect. This is a very common problem, unfortunately, and every now and again, this is something that comes up. People in that fit of anger issue three talaks. Now they are running around to try and find somebody to tell them that no, this tree is one. But all these games are not going to change anything. And it is really very, very heartbreaking to explain to a person at that time, but there is no other way but to tell him the reality. They can be nothing else. And regardless of what a person then tries to, how he tries to twist it and turn it, but if he has issued the three talaks, then whether it happened in anger, whether it happened in the complete uh, a person deliberately and willfully said it, fully intending to do so, or he just blurted it out. In the Hadith Sharif, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam has stated very, very clearly, Salasun jidduhunna jiddun wa hazluhunna jiddun. The three things, when it's done with deliberate intent, then two is applicable, and if it's done in a jest, person is joking about it, is doing it just jokingly, then too it will be applicable. A person, for whatever the reasons were, whether he didn't know the masla, he didn't realize that this is the ruling, and jokingly he issued the talaq, that talaq too will be valid. There is no issue about that. what was the intention at that time. That clear word of talaq that he issued, it will be valid. And if he issued three words of talaq, then that nikah cannot be re-performed also. The relationship is completely severed, they are haram for each other and living in sin if they continue to live in that manner. Many a times these kind of situations come up, now the person is very very distressed, but then when you go back into the whole background of it, this was a high-handed approach that the person was using all the time, everything is just blowing his top. Everything is just showing his authority and every now and then he is threatening with talaq. You carry on like this, I'll give you talaq. You don't do this, I'll give you talaq. So then that azab came where the talaq happened. 
which he didn't want to happen. He was using this as a threat, but in that he was keeping that servant of Allah Ta'ala under this constant tension and at edge all the time, and he was taking some kind of uh, joy out of that authority that he had. But then finally when that azab came, that this came out of his tongue without him wanting it to, now he was sitting and crying more. Everybody suffers. Everybody suffers as a result of this. But the experience that has been seen in the various cases that come up, by and large, while it might seem very often the other way around, but many, many times, and why this is expressed in this manner, many times people think that this is a very simple way to get rid of the problem. It's easier said than done. And in the experience, over time, what has been witnessed and noticed, that the person who suffers more is that husband who gave the talaq. More often than not, this has been the case. Every party suffers, but this has been witnessed more often than not, that the party that suffers more is that husband who gave the talaq. And it's a very, very difficult and very sad situation, but if that talaq has happened, it has happened, there is no way of changing that. However, Hazrat is further there explaining this aspect of anger, to which I replied, whether you utter these words in anger or happiness, it takes effect. Another point to learn here is, that anger is very shrewd. How is this? That one man weighs a hundred kilograms and says to someone who is weaker than him, in other words, he's a strong bodybuilder, he's a wrestler, whatever. So now somebody weaker than him is in front of him. So he says to him, move out of my way. I'm getting mad with anger. But however, another man arrives on the scene who weighs 150 kilograms and is much stronger. Now he's confronting the person. So now this 100 kilogram man says, sorry sir, please forgive me. I made a mistake. The first time when the person who was weaker than him was in front of him, then he just couldn't control his anger. He was getting mad with anger. And then one second later, ten seconds later, somebody else, double his size came. All that madness went away. His sanity came. Now suddenly he realizes that I'd rather be sane. Otherwise, forget being mad. I'll be dead. So suddenly how in 10 seconds that whole anger changed? In 10 seconds that sanity came. In 10 seconds the control came. It's all just excuses of the nafs. It's all just a person just trying to find uh, some justification for his wrong. There is no justification for it. Yes indeed, anger is a very very dangerous emotion if it's not controlled. It does sometimes people become overwhelmed with that anger. They don't know what they're saying, they don't know what they're doing, meaning that in that moment they become berserk, but that doesn't justify anybody's action because a person is responsible for how he controls himself, how he conducts himself. If a person has that kind of temperament, he has to work on it. He has to do what is necessary to bring that anger under control. So the aspects that we mentioned earlier, those are things to do. So this shows that anger is taken out on one who is weaker than oneself. One who remembers Allah Ta'ala's might and power will not go out of control in anger. The problem is that we have not made an effort to rectify our inner self. That effort hasn't been made. If a person is ill, then he starts making an 
effort to address it. First is a little bit of a, he just experiences some small symptoms, so now he's taking some kind of painkillers, he's doing something, but then the symptoms are being felt more, so he realizes that this is not just something which will go away with some flu tab- tablets or whatever, so now he's going to the doctor for an injection, but then that too doesn't seem to be resolving the issue, so it's becoming obvious that this is an even deeper problem. So now he's being referred to the specialist, and then there's all kinds of tests, blood tests and scans and whatever being taken. Now it realized that this is a very major problem. There's a major operation that's required. Say, well, if the operation is required, he needs it, he has to do it. So he undergoes that operation and all the difficulty of it, the expense of it. Why? Because he's concerned that I need to treat my problem. I have an ailment, I have an illness. So whatever is necessary to do, I have to do it. So for the physical self, the physical self will take all these steps, will undertake all the sacrifice, will undertake the expense, will undertake whatever it is required, the time that has to be spent, the effort that has to go into it, and then everybody around will support that. Everybody around will also help out. If the person can't afford it, somebody else will probably help him financially, somebody will give him the moral support, somebody will offer to take him to the hospital and all the kind of support that is required will be made available because this physical ailment must be addressed. So indeed, the physical ailments must be addressed also. This body is an amanat. We have to look after the amanat that Allah Ta'ala has blessed us with. But this physical self, this will become sand in the grave one day. It will become the food of the ants in the grave. But the spiritual self will continue thereafter. The spiritual self will still continue in the qabr, it will continue, Allah Ta'ala will give it another form, another body, it will continue on the day of Qiyamah, it will continue till perpetuity. So now all this care is being taken to keep that physical self in so much of prime condition, and indeed a person must look after his physical self, but the spiritual self, the spiritual cancers, the spiritual tumors, that is not being addressed. There is no treatment that is being undertaken for that. That is not even forget treatment being undertaken. There is a sense of denial. There is a, a situation of denial. That a person is not prepared to even accept, I have an anger problem. I need to address it. I have a problem with uncontrolled lust. I need to sort it out. I have a problem with various other issues. This needs to be brought under control. person is in a state of denial. We are not prepared to even acknowledge that this is a problem. When a person is in a state of denial, then Allah forbid it's a very, very difficult situation. Then, when the explosion comes, like the person now has blurted out the three talaks, now he's ready to do anything to now change his life. Because he wants to try and get the situation resolved. That's, you change your life, mashallah, you'll benefit. But that's not going to bring your wife back. And this is not just hypothetical examples that have been given. These are first-hand experiences that have happened where the person, despite all the advice over time from various people around him and from who not, that look, this is not the way to conduct yourself. This is not how you live your life. This is not how you treat people. But uh, always some excuse and always some justification and always something or the other. And... So now there is a state of denial and at the most 
well, okay, I'll work on it. That's it, finish, nothing else. And then until it came to that disaster. When the disaster happened, person is sitting there literally sobbing. Please help me how to sort this out. And I need to get this right, and I need to get my anger right. And I, fine, mashallah, you came to the realization, but now you came to the realization after such a disaster that that part of it is now irreparable. So people have come to the realization that denial then just overnight disappeared. But after the damage was done to the point that it's irreparable. Now they're crying their whole lives away. So these things need to be addressed. These things need to be worked on. It's not as repeatedly mentioned that this islah doesn't happen by a wish. Dunya is darlas bab. person wants to become a doctor, an engineer, something else in dunya. Then there's a, let alone getting to that tertiary education, before that there's a 12 year process. People already got the big vision for their child. That this child one day must grow up and he must become a doctor, he must become this and that. Already there's a 12 year process before the child even steps into the tertiary education. And forget 12 years, now it, they made it 14 years. Because first it was always grade 1, 35, 40 years ago when people went to school. They only knew about grade 1. Then they became something grade 0. You know, you must start before 1, there's 0. So, okay, fine, you start at 0. And then you heard about double 0. Allah knows best, it's now you'll be triple 0. And next you'll hear about the children are still in their nappies and they're already in school. So they're becoming so intelligent nowadays. So such a great long process is being undertaken. Why? Because this child must get somewhere. Then after that 12 years of schooling, then another four years, five years, six years of tertiary education, and then some training and housemanship and whatnot. Now then that fellow finishes somewhere and becomes a doctor, becomes some professional. So now he didn't just become that doctor and that engineer and that professional in one day. Even the wish, with just some kind of thinking that, well, this should happen. So the parents also put the child into that whole process. Sometimes he doesn't want to do it, they're forcing it upon him. You must do it. And somebody has that own desire that he wants to do it, so he's ready to undertake all that sacrifice and what expense and whatever goes with it. So Islam is going to happen just like that. This is, people talk about, worry about your future. So nobody has forbidden worrying about the future, meaning being concerned about it, taking care of whatever the necessary things are for the future. But how long is this future? A person is going to be traveling somewhere, He's going to be staying for one year, going to some place. So now the parents are sending him, the young boy now, 15 years old, 20 years old, and parents are sending him to go and study something somewhere overseas. So now he's going to be staying there for one year, staying there for five years. But then en route he's going to be stopping somewhere and staying overnight, one night, 24 hours he's going to be staying somewhere. So now he's going to be staying somewhere overnight, 24 hours, maybe two nights, 48 hours he's going to be staying there in transit somewhere. They will be concerned about that, that you're staying there, you'd be going out 24 hours, 48 hours, where are you going to stay? You're going to have enough things to eat, you'll need food, and whatever necessary. But where will be the concern for greater? For that transit lounge, or that transit stay of 24 hours or 48 hours, or that place where he's going to stay for five years overseas? So anybody, there's that necessary arrangements for the transit period also. But the proportion of 
concern for that stay in that country overseas for five years and even just one year or five years, that would be far greater and you can say 360 times more. So this is one day, that is 360 days. It will be 360 times more compared to that concern for that transit period. Now the same situation applies, this dunya, whatever time a person spends here, this is our transit lounge. We haven't come here to stay forever. We are here in the transit lounge. Now all the effort is being made for the transit lounge, but there's no concern for the destination. And what is the duration of time in the destination? One year? Five years? Ten years? Not one year, five years, ten years. That cover alone, Allah knows best how many hundreds of years might come out, a thousand years might come out. And then beyond that is perpetual akhirat. The day of Qiyamah, the future of the day of Qiyamah, وَإِنَّ يَوْمًا عِنَّ رَبِّكَ كَأَلْفِ سَنَةٍ مِمَّا تَعُدُّونَ That one day of Qiyamah, equivalent to a thousand years. So now for that transit lounge, so much of concern, what concern have we placed for the future of our children, for our own future, for the destination? So all this effort now is directed for that physical self, for that education and so on here. But that Islam, that Islam is something that will affect the whole perpetuity. It will affect the Qabr. It will affect the day of Qiyamah. So, while within the limits of Sharia to make arrangements for the, again, it's the very big word, future. But it's a very short future. But for the short future of our children, etc., for whatever duration Allah has willed that they will be in dunya, Allah knows best how long we will be in dunya and how long they will be. But nevertheless, whatever is within reason, whatever is within limits of the Sharia, that is not forbidden, but the proportions must be right. And this is something that we often lose sight of. So in the to- point we were talking about is that this Islam is for that perpetual health of akhirat. It will benefit us in dunya already. Because when a person has made that effort to control this anger, to rectify the inner faults, then inshallah he won't fall in these kind of circumstances that in anger he's blurting out three talaqs and he's getting caught up in all other kinds of vices and sins and doing all kinds of zulm and oppression. Inshallah, with that Islam having been undertaken, a person having made the effort, not just sitting and with wishful thinking, thinking it will happen, making that necessary effort, undertaking whatever is required, then he will benefit already in this dunya. Because Allah Ta'ala has promised that the person who does, وَمَيَّعْمَلْ مِنَ الصَّالِحَاتِ مِنْ ذَكَرٍ أَوْ أُنْثَى وَهُوَ مُؤْمِنٍ فَلَنُحْيَنَّهُ حَيَاةً طَيِّبًا We will give him a good life in this very dunya already. A good life is not dependent on having the material comforts of dunya. If that also is there, in a halal way a person has earned it, he's using it correctly, alhamdulillah, that's a na'mat also. But a good life is not dependent on that. Allah Ta'ala's qudrat, Allah Ta'ala will give the person the good life with it or without it. The real thing is that the obedience of Allah Ta'ala must be there. So, in any case, this aspect of anger, that this has to be worked on, and has to be remedied. This shows that anger is taken out on one who is weaker than oneself, 
One who remembers that Allah Ta'ala's might and power will not go, one who remembers Allah Ta'ala's might and power will not go out of control in anger. A Sahabi was beating his slave. Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam saw this and said, Lallahu aqdaru alayka minka alayhi. Indeed, Allah has more power over you than you have over the slave. The Sahabi turned around and saw that it was Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. He says, I turned around and saw that it was none other than Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. In other words, initially he didn't know who was saying this to him. But when he turned around, he saw it was Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So, this was a mistake he made. It was not the thing to have done. But again, this was the, this was the aspect about the Sahaba, that it just required the slightest guidance, the slightest correction, and they immediately took to it. The Sahabi realized that this was a very serious mistake. So what was his response to Rasulullah The Sahabi then said, Huwa I free the slave for the sake of Allah. Slavery is long gone, so to us this doesn't sound too much, but to understand it in our context, is like a person owning something very, very valuable. So for example, now he made a mistake, so he said, okay, my house, freehold property, I gave it away now, in sadqa. So this car, brand new car, worth a few hundred thousand rands, I gave it away. That was the same sacrifice that was involved in freeing that slave. Because the slave was a very, very big asset to them. And that slave was totally owned by the person. And it was a very valuable asset. Now, he realized that this was the mistake. This mistake was done by inflicting this harm on this person. Now, I need to make amends. One is the tawbah. Allah Ta'ala will forgive, inshallah. But the effects that have come as a result of that wrong, that too has to be remedied. And that Islam has to be acquired, that Islam won't be acquired simply by making istighfar. That sin will get forgiven, inshallah. But that, that quality that is inside, that will still rear its head again. Because that hasn't been addressed. So to address that, these are the steps to take. That a person now has to take the steps against his nafs. Do something that will really put pressure on the nafs. Will make that nafs feel that pain. When the child is doing something that is not right, then the parents discipline the child in some way, so that that child must feel that pain of that action of the child. So now the next time we remember, that if I do the same thing, I'm going to have to suffer the same consequence, or rather don't do it. Whatever it might be that some privilege was withdrawn, or the, person was, the child was now disciplined in some way or the other, so now that registers in the mind. So likewise, we have to discipline our nafs. That the nafs now took advantage of some situation. The nafs prompted us towards some wrong. So till that nafs is not put under the kind of pressure that will make it succumb. Not the type of pressure that will actually maybe soothe the nafs. Once in Pakistan, when there was one very pious person who was ruling the country at that time, he was an alim, so he had instructed that in all the colleges, universities, etc., that salah must be emphasized. So in one of the colleges, or rather this happened in India at the time, 
in Aligarh University. He was a very pious person who had become the, the head of the university. This is in Aligarh University. So, in those days, in any case, he implemented the rule that anybody misses their salah, they're going to be subjected to a fine. So many, whatever it might have been, cents or something of that time. Now, generally, students were from poor backgrounds, down and out. That one rand, for example, was a big thing for them, for salah. But at the same time, there were some students who were coming from the family of the Nawabs. Nawabs in that time, they were like mini kings. One Nawab will be owning like a place like Phoenix. And then he'll be collecting all the income of that. So they were like mini kings. So now some of these students were from those families. So when they heard about this rule, now some of them were very, very lax in the salah and so on. Well, one rand per salah. In that time now, if we counted 100 rand per salah too, so they calculated 100 rand per salah, so per day 500 rands. And they multiplied it by 360 and they came in advance and said, okay, there's an advance payment. So now what pressure is that on that person? That 500 rand a day, he had pocket money for 5,000 rand a day. So that didn't even pinch his nerves. So he felt, mashallah, whatever was required, I did it. I gave some sadaqah. So now he did some wrong, he gave two rand sadaqah. But his income is, he's got pocket money to spend on eating out, 500 rand for the day. Now he gave two rand sadaqah and said, well, I did something wrong, so I gave two rand sadaqah. I must use my gaze, I gave two rand sadaqah. That is now appeasing the nafs. Well, don't worry, you did what you're supposed to do. See, it must be to that quantity, each one will be obviously, each one's situation is different, that there must be a adequate pressure on the nafs. It must pinch the nafs enough. There must be that pain of that action that is experienced. So the Sahabi immediately turned and said, hurrun Upon this Rasulullah said that had you not freed the slave, the fire of Jahannam would have wrapped itself around you. So remember the might of Allah Ta'ala when you get angry, there is a hadith to the effect that Man that one who controls his anger, Allah Ta'ala will save him from his punishment on the day of judgment. Allah Ta'ala give us the tawfiq. Wa akhiru da'awana alhamdulillah. Subhanallah. Subhanakallah.